Welcome to the Voices of Women Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tatiana Resnik, a practicing physician and a certified life coach. You will hear about inspirational journeys and practical tips from amazing women physician experts, as well as effective coaching tools and steps to joyful success. Welcome everyone to this episode of Voices of Women Physicians podcast. Today we will discuss very interesting topic. And many of us had no idea that such option even exists. Many physicians want to practice medicine in a way when we have more time with our patients, when we can give them more attention. And we have a couple of episodes about direct primary care model in the past. But not everyone able to open private practice right away not everyone able to do business part of it. And many of us thinking about what is in the middle. If there are even an option in the middle between regular type of practice and direct care practice. And today we will talk about this. And we have very special guest with us, Dr. Suzanne Morgan. Welcome, Dr. Morgan. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you do. So I am a family medicine physician trained and practice in traditional practice for several years currently. I know we'll talk more about it later, but currently I'm the chief medical officer and I also practice within our model with a company that does employer-sponsored direct primary care and it's People One Health, but there are several out there. So what is direct primary care? How it could be employer-sponsored? How to combine those two options? Tell us a little more. Sure. So employer-sponsored direct primary care is when your practice is still getting the monthly fee. So that's the direct primary care part. You have a smaller patient panel, also direct primary care, longer visits with patients, and then additional resources that are often available in direct primary care, like maybe some labs or small medications in the office for acute needs. But in this case, your employer, they will go to various companies in the community employers in the community and work with them to add the direct primary care as the benefit. And then the employer pays the monthly fee. So essentially you get patients, you get a, I think, great lifestyle and balance, and you don't have to go out and find patients. This is a good point. So how much time you normally have for appointments and how many patients you see per day? Sure. So I've worked for two different companies that do this, both Everside Health and People One Health. There's several out there. And generally for new patients or physicals, you have a 60 minute appointment. And for follow-ups or an acute visit, you have 30. And most of the offices, because the goal is outstanding patient care, most of us don't have any problems if I need to extend a visit for 15 minutes or something because there's a patient that needs additional assistance. It is wonderful. And how many patients per day do you normally see on average day? Right now, I will see two or three new patients. So that's two to three hours of the day, and then the rest are follow-ups. So that would be 10 to 12 a day, right? And because I'm chief medical officer, I see everyone's panel and my busier providers, because they don't have a lot of new patients, they could see 14 a day because they have two an hour unless they have physicals. So that's usually the most they'll see in a day is about 14. I see. It is wonderful. And how quickly patients can get an appointment? Like if patient needs someday appointment or next day, how it works? 
So same-day appointment for acute needs, usually we reserve those, right? Direct primary care, you get the care when you need it, and you're not waiting two weeks when you're really sick. So we reserve those, and patients can usually get in same day next day. If somebody is a new patient and they have an urgent need, it's the same. But if they just need a new patient visit, we can accommodate them usually when they would prefer to come in or within a couple of days, occasionally same day. My busiest office, it is usually a week or so. I see. And how about labs and medications? You mentioned that you can provide some. So tell us a little bit more. Sure. So we have typical point of care labs that many of us have in our family medicine offices. That's all no cost to the patient if you know about direct primary care. And then within our model, we have the basic primary care labs you might need. CBC, lipid, TSH, CMP. So the typical things you would use as part of your regular care. You're in microalbumin just to make sure we can take care of patients with diabetes and hemoglobin A1C. And then right now within the model, most of the labs that would require a special workup, like a rheumatology workup or something, those still go out to our lab like normal. Medications in the office, we just have a small formulary, mostly acute things like antibiotics, some steroid tapers, muscle relaxers, anti-inflammatories, most common things for acute needs that might come in. And the nice thing about that is the patient comes in, if they're sick and antibiotics are indicated, they can leave with their antibiotic. And I know that's not available in all states because of some regulations, but many states are able to do it. It is wonderful. So your organization, it is not just one state, it's multiple states, right? Yes. The one I work for now, we're in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. I see. Oh, it's interesting. And patient does not pay, right? Employer pays this monthly fee, so patient doesn't really pay anything out of pocket. Correct. It is wonderful. And how it works with imaging studies, like if someone needs a quick chest X-ray or like abdominal ultrasound, Sure. That's a great question. At People One Health, we have two levels of membership. So on the, I would say, lower level of membership, it's not a bad one. It's everything we've talked about already. But we have a prime level of membership, and that membership actually does include imaging, which is great for me. I don't have to do prior authorizations. It is wonderful. But in most employer-sponsored direct primary care companies, you still will have to send out for imaging and get a prior authorization if it's indicated. But People One Health has taken it and raised the bar to eliminate barriers to care. So they're able to do imaging, physical therapy, counseling, and psychiatry. So there's many things that are included in their prime membership. They've taken direct primary care and put some superpowers behind it. Oh, it's wonderful. And how about hospitalizations? If patient needs to be admitted to the hospital, how it works with this model. Sure. For that, mostly we try to maintain relationships with hospitalist groups so that we have good communication. And then for admissions and discharges, our EHR has some health information exchange so I can get information that way. And then we've done a lot of work to hook up with getting electronic documents from the hospitals. And then uniquely, our office in Florida, they have a relationship with the hospitalist group and that hospitalist group actually admits at several hospitals. And so most of the places patients go, they're getting information back from. It is very helpful. How about payment part? Do patients need to have insurance in addition to this or how coverage for hospitalization? Sure. So the hospitalization would use insurance as would somebody had the lower level or the classic direct primary care model. They would use it also for imaging or physical therapy or something like that. I see. Excellent. And for physicians who would be interested in joining such group, like your group or a similar group, what steps would you recommend them to take to found such places? Because many people have no idea that such option even exists. 
Sure. I mean, I found mine because the company that I worked for or that I first signed up with Everside, which they changed from Paladina to Everside. So they were a couple iterations because the company grew, but they had actually sent out recruiting letters in the community for primary care physicians. So I actually received a mailer. But if you're going to go look on your own, you can Google employer-sponsored direct primary care. Now that I have had five years experience in the model, I'm able to provide information as well, just places to look. There's many. Marathon Health, Health, People One Health, Everside Health. There's several out there. It's really going to their websites and looking to see if they have physician openings. It is wonderful. How about like, so it is for family practice, I assume internal medicine probably too, right? How about pediatrics? Does something like this exist for pediatrics? Sure. There's a couple of ways pediatrics can be involved in a model like this. In some of our offices, we have internists and not family medicine. And so because we're employer sponsored, we take care of their whole population. So it's families. So we have to engage with a pediatrician in the area one way or another to get primary care for them. Actually, there's a company called Hint Health, and their goal is to get direct primary care access all over the nation. And so they're a great network for direct primary care, both employer sponsored and private. It is very interesting. Anything else you would like to recommend to physicians who would be interested in joining similar groups in the future? I think that if you have questions, you can certainly email me. My email will be in the notes for the podcast, but it is out there. I think when I interviewed, I laughed and said, you probably aren't going to hire me when I asked this question. And I asked the medical director I talked to if it was too good to be true, because I couldn't imagine a world where I didn't have to see 30 patients a day and do notes at night and notes in the morning. And she just chuckled and she said, no, it's real. And so I've made the move over to this type of model and it's been fantastic. It's actually sounds amazing. It might be a solution for many people who are experiencing burnout and who are looking for a better model of practice. Are there any downsides, anything they need to know about when switching to this type of practice? Sure. So there's two things I tell physicians when I interview them. One is it is a newer model and many of the companies are smaller. So things do change. There's not a ton of regulation around it because we're cutting out insurance. But when we develop programs or have an initiative we put in place, We take feedback. If we need to change it, we can. So I know, and I can say that my older brother, he's been in practice many, many years and he's a creature of habit. And so he always says to me, I don't know how you thrive in that world where things are changing all the time. And I love it. I don't mind it, but you have to be ready and open to changing to things that are different. And then the other one in the employer sponsor world that I tell physicians during interviews is that you have a patient you take care of just like you always have, but you have time to do it. But in most cases, there's also, the employer, right? So they're a customer. So there are times when we're asked, and it's not asked to do anything bad, but we do things like sometimes a lunch and learn presentations about three ways to relieve stress without medication or five ways to have better sleep. So we do educational things sometimes for the employers because there's sort of a customer service part of the job along with taking care of the patients. And they are separate because the medical care is all still HIPAA compliant and you still protect private health information, but you have a customer there that you're also serving. And some people don't like that. Some people do. They don't mind it. So either way, it's just something to have knowledge about when you're thinking about this model. This actually sounds good. 
I've loved it for the past five years. I can't imagine going back to fee for service. I don't know what I would do if I had to. Such an awesome model. Any lessons you learn along the way and anything else which could be helpful for people who are just starting this role? Sure. I would say lessons along the way. I've always tried to be open to change and new things. And I would say when I left fee-for-service, I was burnt out. And I made up my mind to find something new, different, and that would let me practice medicine the way I wanted. I wasn't ready to leave practice. I was very passionate about patient care. I still am. And I promised myself and prayed that I would be patient and wait for the right opportunity because I knew there was something out there. It was waiting and being patient to find the right thing. And then when I did, just take the step. So have faith. There are better things out there. There's better models out there. Some people probably enjoy practicing with one company versus another. I love people one health. I love my position when I was at Everside. And I'm sure that the physicians that are at the other companies feel the same way just because we're kind of out of the rat race. I also want to ask about telemedicine. Is there an option with companies like this to do telemedicine visits? So that's a great question. So I have two sides of answers. So because we're not coding, we still track the work we do, but I don't have to see 15 people or 40 people a day. I can do virtual visits, video. I can do phone visits. I can take care of the patient however it works for what they need and what I know is medically sound. The other answer I would have for that is there are companies that are direct primary care, virtual care only. Wow. Yes. And those have just, I would say, come up in the past couple of years. I am learning more about them, have been since probably the last six months or so. So there are a couple of companies that are virtual direct primary care, and they still have the same appropriate limits that you can do within virtual care. But their goal is that direct primary care model where you really surround the patient with the support they need as a physician, and then you're supporting players to equip patients for success. Oh, this sounds very interesting. If it's okay to ask if you could name a few. Sure. So I know Eden Health is one. I believe they still have four to six brick and mortar buildings, but they do direct primary care, I believe in all 50 states in a virtual fashion. Firefly Health, I believe is one. And I don't know if I can remember any of the other ones. There's a few that are very patient-centered medical home focused. So not exactly direct primary care, but they are multi-specialty and support patients and it's all virtual care. So interesting. How about specialists? Like there are many places, direct specialty care. Does anything like this exist for specialists, employer sponsored, as far as you know? So that's a good question. I think that that's going to be an emerging field. Truthfully, right now with People One Health, we have some psychiatry and psychology. The focus of the company with that was because behavioral health is so important and it's a huge part of primary care. However, I know of other companies that have engaged with endocrinology, for example, or sports medicine for the non-surgical orthopedic complaints. So you add a partner in that fashion. But I haven't seen it explode yet. I do think it's coming because because specialty care is just as challenging with billing, coding, and insurance companies as primary care is. And so as physicians, I believe we'll find a way to work with specialists and incorporate them so they can have the same type of benefits. It's so interesting. How about notes? Is there anything different about the way how you chart, like EMR, how you do this part? I chart the same, I would say, except that I feel like when you have all of the EDIS, NCQA, all of the measures, you have to check boxes and things. We don't do as much of that. 
And I probably free text more in the EHR. I can just type out what I did or dictate what I did. I don't have to check every single box because it has to be captured in a structured fashion because we don't have a measure to meet. I don't have anybody counting how many boxes or how many physical exams I did. And we don't bill anyone. So if I spent 30 or 60 minutes with someone, we already know it's 99214 or 99215, but there's nobody checking boxes for any of that. We really put the codes in to track our work. It's important to document what you did for the patient. You still have to do all of those correct things, document your care, but in the fashion that you have to count how many physical exam areas you did or review a systems for your body systems, you don't have to do any of that. It is wonderful. Anything else you would like to recommend? Any tips for physicians who would like, especially to find those places and to join them? And anything what physician needs to do to join a place like this? I really just think be open. From my perspective, I know many physicians have a three or six month time to when they have to give notice, right? If you give notice, you have to give three months or six months. So if you're interested in leaving, apply early. I do feel like in the positions that we've been looking, it takes a little longer for everyone to get interviews. There's a lot of questions. And I would say, ask if you can spend a day in the office with someone and shadow so you can see what their day is really like. Confirm it's all true and real. It is, but spend a day so you understand what you're getting into. And as with any practice, you would want to still meet any partners you might have in the office, whether it's another physician or an NP, as well as your MA. We still do all the same things, right? You want to meet your staff. So ask all those questions. If you're just looking for places to apply, you just have to find a list and look, we all have some type of recruiter. Some are internal, some use external. And so it's job postings. Some companies focus on LinkedIn, some use practice links. So it's hard to know for sure, unless you're actually looking for People One Health, Everside Health, Marathon Health, Premise. You know, if you're looking up the businesses, it's a great opportunity. I can't speak highly enough of how much better work-life balance you can have. It's actually work-life balance. It's amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing it. It's so helpful. If there is anything else you want to share? I think that when we connect it, I would share this opportunity with any primary care physician looking for a change and better balance. It's really a great opportunity for anyone to take a look at and see if it's a great fit. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all of this. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed it or found it helpful, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. Have any topics you'd like covered? Send me an email at joyfulsuccessliving at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram to connect at joyfulsuccessliving. Have an amazing week. See you next time. The Voices of Women Physicians podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any medical, financial, tax, legal, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own well-being, decisions, and results. Dr. Resnik is a practicing physician, but Voices of Women Physicians podcast is not reflective of the opinion of her employer. You should always contact professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.